Hello, and welcome to Inventors Helping Inventors. I'm your host, Alan Beckley, inventor of The Wonder Wallet. If you're an inventor searching for proven ways to make money with your invention, if you dream to see your product selling in stores everywhere, you've come to the right place. There's no better place to get help than from experts, inventors who've already achieved success. Every week, I interview successful inventors, asking them the questions you want to know. Tune in to learn from the experts so you can get your invention out of the tank and into the bank. YouTube is more challenging than I would have thought. If anyone's been on YouTube, which I'm sure most everyone has, you go on there and you kind of have silly videos that have tens of millions of views. And then when I put stuff out there, I get much lower views than that. And that's been the biggest challenge is how do I get volume on YouTube and also produce content that is engaging to viewers. Hi, I wanted to take just a couple of moments to share with you something that is very important. And that is, what is my mission as a podcaster and the other things that I do to help inventors? I have a bodacious mission. It's the following. I want to help 1 million inventors just like you to succeed. How do I propose to do that? Well, let me share with you the four different programs that I have in place to help inventors like you. First of all, three years ago, I started the Inventors Helping Inventors podcast that you're listening to right now. I've interviewed over 200 successful inventors and the podcast is available to you for free, twice a week. I'm very excited about the podcast and what it does to help inventors. A second program I started about two years ago was the Inventors Bootcamp. This is my premier training event where I work with inventors in a community and we meet via Zoom meeting and you learn how to compare and contrast your invention and then create a 30-second pitch for it. So that's the Inventors Bootcamp, and that is helping a lot of inventors. Well, about 18 months ago, I created the Inventors Helping Inventors membership group, and this is a paid monthly membership group for only $35 a month that connects you not only with other inventors, but also with trusted resources. And finally, just a few months ago, about four months ago, because inventors kept asking, I created my premier coaching for inventors. This is to help you one-on-one -on -one with an intensive six-week program of coaching to get you traction sooner. So those are the four different programs that I'm doing to reach out, to pay it forward, and to help inventors like you to achieve success. Thanks for listening in. If you'd like to know more and ways that I might be able to help you to achieve traction more quickly, just send me an email at alan at alanbeckley.com and put in the subject line, help me, or something like that. Want to know more? Again, just reach out to me at alan at alanbeckley.com and I'll be happy to help you and look forward to hearing back and seeing how we can help you to accelerate and achieve more traction. Does this sound like you? You're a serious inventor and you have a product 
an invention that Lori Garnier might call your hero product. It's ready to go. And you're ready now to take specific actions to move forward and finally license your invention. But you feel stuck. What do you do next? How do you make it happen? Who do you contact? It can be very frustrating and confusing. Well, if this describes you, premium coaching could be just what you need. Premium coaching is an intensive six-week one-on-one coaching program with me, and it's tailored to your specific needs to help you, for example, hone your marketing message and make a list and prioritize companies to license to, and from that, create a specific plan of action for you to move forward. If this sounds like it's a fit for you, looks like premium coaching could get you finally unstuck and moving forward, reach out to me and let's chat and see if it's a match for you. Just send me an email to alan at alanbeckley.com and make sure and put in the subject line, premium coaching. I'll reach out to you. We'll set up a Zoom meeting and chat and see if premium coaching could be a fit for you. IHI Nation, don't you absolutely hate to miss out on something good? Well, I want to share with you that my premier training for inventors, the Inventors Bootcamp, well, registration closed at midnight Sunday last night. So you just missed out. However, I provide for listeners to my podcast only if you act quickly and you're listening on Monday, the 13th of February, you get an extension. So you can still sign up to join the Inventors Bootcamp where you'll get five days of live Zoom meeting training. It's going to teach you how to compare and contrast your invention versus the competition to make it stand out. And then from that, you can create a clear, concise, and compelling 30-second pitch for your product, the kind that gets attention with marketers. So how do you sign up and still get in? Again, you have to register today, Monday, the 13th of February. Just go to alanbeckley.com slash bootcamp. And oh, by the way, all of this training, the five days I described, is available to you for only $47. But you can't wait. This is the last day and it's only open to podcast listeners like you on Monday, February the 13th. Again, to join us tonight in the boot camp that starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, just go to alanbeckley.com slash bootcamp. Look forward to seeing you there, and quite a few of our listeners have joined us in the boot camp and are making progress. So look forward to seeing you tonight. Welcome to episode number 276. Today, I interview Mark Turnbaugh. Mark Turnbaugh grew up in a rural area outside of Chicago and, in his youth, was always tinkering in his dad's workshop and riding dirt bikes. After high school, he got a mechanical engineering degree at Auburn University. 
After that, he moved to Houston and began working in oil and gas. He then got a master's degree in petroleum engineering from the University of Houston. Mark has been working in oil and gas for 16 years as an engineer. He currently works for Shell Oil Company as a quality engineer supporting the development of their wells. Like many inventors, he has a passion for designing and making things. He attributes this to having access to plenty of tools, materials, and problems that needed to be solved at his rural childhood home. As an engineer, this passion got translated in streamlining processes at his workplace and finding improvements to currently known tools. He launched GauGeWorks in 2017 to provide better measurement equipment to the oil and gas threaded connection industry. In 2019, he launched SharpWorks to provide knife sharpeners that allow the average person to sharpen in the freehand style. Today, he manufactures and sells SharpWorks knife sharpeners all over the U.S. He and his wife have two kids and live in Bel Air, Texas. You'll want to listen to this entire interview where Mark shares how he recognized three different elements that are required to effectively sharpen knives, but found most knife sharpeners addressed only one or two of them. Also, how he chose a two-fold approach to manufacturing, doing some manufacturing himself with a 3D printer in his house and contracting out the rest to a company in China. And finally, how he has increased his business through how-to videos on both his website and on YouTube, teaching people the proper way to sharpen a knife. Now, let's get right to our interview with Mark Turnbaugh. Mark Turnbaugh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast with us today. Thanks for having me. You bet. I'd like to start out with a question I ask just about all of our guests, and that is, can you share a bit of your background with our listeners? Where did you grow up and go to school, and what did you do before you became an inventor? Can you share that with us? Sure. So I grew up in, in Illinois, outside Chicago, in a small town, and uh, it was a pretty rural property where we had a barn and a big workshop. And I, uh, I spent a lot of time there as a boy in my dad's wood shop, building stuff and tinkering around. And I would uh, work on my go-karts and like dirt bikes, things like that. And as I grew up, I started doing more like making furniture and things like that. But ultimately ended up going to, to Auburn University for studying mechanical engineering. And then later on, I had working in the oil and gas industry out of college. And I started working on a master's degree at University of Houston in petroleum engineering. And so now I work at Shell Oil Company as a quality engineer. Thanks for sharing that with us. Something I've brought up in the podcast a couple of times before. It's part of the DNA of what I think of as being formative often for invention and inventors is actually growing up in a rural area and being on the farm where you have to create and figure things out on your own seems to be a great laboratory for the inventive mind. So I've had at least half a dozen people who had a somewhat similar experience to yours growing up in more of a rural area and tinkering and figuring things out and then growing into adulthood and just extending that. 
So anyway, so growing up outside Chicago that way, and then ultimately going to Auburn University and becoming a mechanical engineer, and then, wow, congratulations, getting a master's degree in a, a petroleum engineer. A good friend of mine's a petroleum engineer, and I happen to know organic chemistry and other fun things that go along with that. That's achieving quite a bit, especially a master's degree, in my opinion. You've invented a product that addresses a really common frustration, and that is sharpening knives effectively. The reality is that the marketplace is crowded with knife sharpeners, but consumers often find they're unable to sharpen their knives very effectively. So they just give up and buy new knives over and over again. Can you share with our listeners the aha moment that caused you to create a better, more effective knife sharpener? goes back to when I was growing up because out in the workshop we had, my dad had an Arkansas soft stone in his like old craftsman toolbox. And when I was in Cub Scouts, I would try using it with actually no effect. I'd work on it for like 10 minutes. And then at the end of it, I'd find that my knife wasn't any sharper. And so I felt the frustration even as a kid. And then I got older and one summer I went and visited my parents and I found that old stone and I asked my dad if I could have it. And so I took it back to Houston and I tried sharpening my knife again on it. And I had the same result as I had when I was a kid and my knife wasn't any sharper. But months before I, I got that stone, I had gone a 3D printer and had some spare parts from other projects. And I started putting together different configurations of a sharpener that I thought could work. And I had searched online for solutions where I could take my dad's stone and put it into a sharpener, but it didn't really exist. And so I started just playing with different designs and ultimately I got to a design that I really liked and it worked. And I ultimately just put it on Etsy to see what people thought of it. And then over time from customer feedback, I incorporated more of their feedback to, to have additional features on it. Interesting. Again, you, you went back to the farm. There's the stones still there. You brought it back to Houston with you and you were getting much the same results and you thought there's got to be a better way to do this. And then you began working on creating a better mousetrap, as they say. So that really leads me to my next question. And that is, can you describe how your knife sharpener works? What does it look like? Also, what makes it different from many other knife sharpeners that are out there? Put another way, what is the key problem, would you say, that your knife sharpener addresses better than others that are on the market? One of the principles I try to follow in my designs is I want to simulate freehand knife sharpening. So if you've seen a chef sharpen their knives, they take a whetstone and they set it on a like a claw and then they hold the knife with their hands and with their hands they guide the knife through the stroke to sharpen it and that's try what i try to simulate with all my designs and when i researched the market i didn't find a knife sharpener that did that and so i wanted to be able to sharpen in that way but i also didn't want to spend the years training my muscle memory to be able to do that. So the way that my knife sharpener works is there's a stone holder that would sit on your countertop and you can take any 
five stone and put it into it, which is a unique feature. Most sharpeners, they have predefined stones that you buy from the manufacturer and you can't pick your own stone. So that's one of the benefits of it. But with the sharper, you put the stone into that, that holder, and then there is a, a knife clamp. It's either a aluminum clamp, like you would have in a workshop or it's a magnetic holder that grabs onto the knife. And there's a horizontal rod that helps keep the knife at the proper angle. And then you would grab onto the knife and guide it along that stone. As I was breaking it down or listening to you describing what it does, there were several key elements that are different than other things that are out there. One of them is others you saw in the marketplace. You had to buy a stone from them in most cases, and it was a particular size. You couldn't pick your own stone. And you didn't like that, so you have a stone holder also as part of your product. But the person can choose and use any stone they like and use that with your product as well, which is really quite cool. And then that your whole design is based on simulating the, the methodology people use with their free hand that are good, that know all the techniques, sharpen knives effectively. It sounds like a key piece of that is a horizontal rod you have that, and you clamps onto the knife in such a way that as you move and sharpen it, it ensures it's sharpening at the right angle. And that apparently from everything I can gather, the angle is really crucial. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. And from my research on sharpening over the last couple of years, three requirements to get a sharp knife, it having the proper stone, having the proper angle and having the proper technique. So my systems meet all three of those criteria, which are the, the keys to having a, a super sharp knife. The other thought I had about that is the, is the frustration that so many people have encountered. Certainly I have with a variety of somewhat simple sharpeners in most cases. I guess that third, probably the angle and the technique to some degree are missing. And you're guessing or trying to do the angle, but if you're not using the technique, you're still not getting much effect from most of them. And that your product is designed to really line up the right kind of stone, the right angle, and the technique. And do you recommend that they get certain kinds of stones and then certain kinds of stones that, that they wouldn't do as well with? Yeah, so I, I have some stones that I sell that I recommend that go with a sharpener. They would probably be considered more economy-priced stones. People that are more enthusiasts about sharpening, they would take higher-end stones. But yeah, so I would, my typical prescription for stones would be a core, a medium grit and a fine stone. And I, I, I have an offer for that, those and all of my product. I want to mention you manufacture your product and sell it on your website. Are there other places like Amazon or in retail stores where you also sell your product? And do you manufacture in the U.S. or overseas? And how did you make that decision as to where to manufacture your product? Sure. Yeah. So I try to branch out as much as I can on the internet. And so I'm on Amazon, Etsy, eBay, and I've been able to get myself into a couple local retail stores. So in Houston, we have 
a high-end gift store called Bearing that I sell one of my sharpeners in. And also there's a website, bestsharpeningstone.com, that they're based out of Tomball Taxer. And I was able to get my products on there. Also, some of my products I manufacture myself. Some of them I've outsourced to China. For the ones I make at my house, I've set up a 3D printer farm and a guest bedroom. And I have that just pretty much create parts all day long. And then when they're done, I assemble them. And one of the reasons I did that route is 3D printers are very cheap now. And so I was able to get set up to and manufacture at a, a really low cost to entry. However, there's a larger consumption of my time doing it that way. And so as I mature through the entrepreneur path, I'm trying to outsource more of my manufacturing. I've set up a relationship with a manufacturer in China and they are doing the injection molding for my Sharpworks Master Sharpener. And they take the entire product from manufacturing to boxing to adding instructions and ship, shipping them directly to me. They do that all for me. And they're also supporting me on a newer product, the Sharpworks Professional, that uh, CNC machine. Okay, so you've actually taken a, a twofold approach, meaning that you have a 3D printer at home and that you can print the parts and put the pieces together and actually do that yourself. And as you mentioned, that's a low cost to entry, but it does take a fair amount of your time. And a lot of times entrepreneurs, inventors, they value their time like at $0 per hour and they say, oh, it only cost me X. And they're just talking about the parts price. But if they figure their time at $50 an hour, then they really have a little more cost than they're, they're accounting for. And then, you know, you have taken the step that is always a good step for an entrepreneur, and that is to outsource to China, find a factory you can work with. And a key thing that you said in describing that, and I just like to highlight that for our listeners. One of the key values, you want them to produce the finished, ready to ship product in the box and everything else so that when it arrives to you, it's ready to go into a store or ship to somebody. Because if a mistake inventors sometimes make, and they feel like they're saving money is they have the parts shipped from China and then they're assembling them at home or whatever. So they're adding more labor costs unnecessarily, in my opinion. Absolutely. With the one that I have fully done at the manufacturer in China, it's really simple. All I do is I take the sharpener that they sent in their colored box. I put it into a brown cardboard box tape it up, I put a label on it, and I ship it. And so it's the lowest cost time-wise for me. And so I really appreciate when I make those sales because it's just a lot easier. I wanted to mention, Mark, that every inventor hits roadblocks and setbacks along their invention journey. Can you share with us what was one of your biggest setbacks or challenges and what steps did you take to overcome it? I would say the, the biggest challenge for me has been marketing and sales. I'm an engineer by training. I've spent a lot of time, as I mentioned before, making things growing up. So that kind of comes naturally to me. But the marketing and sales, it's the other side of the brain. And I've had a, I've had a hard time with it because I've had to 
learn new skills and also spend time on it. And my hope has always been to be able to find a great partner that compliments me. However, that's just been a challenge. And I've tried working with a few other people and it, they tend not to have the passion that I have for it and it ends up not working out. Understood. I think that is perhaps one of the biggest challenges, honestly, most inventors have is we are good at creativity and tinkering and a lot of our engineers, as you and I both are, but most of us don't naturally speak marketing ease, so to speak. And so that's a challenge for many of us. And it's something that I, that I help inventors with and some of the different programs that I do. But anyway, so it sounds like you just are taking it step by step and you've, you've got on Amazon and Etsy and eBay and you've got a couple of local retail stores. You're making progress for sure. And that's a great thing. One thing I did want to highlight though in my next question here is I would say some marketing that you're doing really effectively. That is something unusual from over 200 inventors I've spoken to. And that is, I noticed that you've got a lot of how-to information about your product on your website, as well as a YouTube channel. And as I just mentioned, but over the years, I've interviewed a lot of inventors and not too many of them are doing that kind of thing. So my question is, is how is this helping you to drive sales? And also, how is your YouTube channel doing? Is it an effective marketing tool for you? Can you share with us your thoughts behind doing that and how that's working for you? What I've learned about e-commerce marketing is that you have to build your funnel. And so from the couple online courses I've taken, as they say, you need to have a path from finding that your target person on the internet and taking that, those individuals through a process to where they go from not knowing you all the way to trusting you and trusting your advice. And so the way that YouTube works falls into that funnel is it's the first stage. I try to create content that my customers would be interested in. So my YouTube channel is primarily about uh, knife sharpening and my product, and they can learn new things there. They can see how the product works, see the innovation behind it. And hopefully what will happen is they move on to the next step, which is going to my website. And if they're not ready to buy right, then ideally they'll sign up for the next stage of the funnel, which is my email campaign. And so with the email campaign, I have a combination of both technical articles, this articles on outdoors and knives, and then also the sales campaigns in there. Overall, how it's working is it, YouTube is more challenging than I would have thought. If anyone's been on YouTube, which I'm sure most everyone has, you go on there and kind of silly videos that have tens of millions of views. And then when I put stuff out there, I get much lower views than that. And that's been the biggest challenge is how do I get volume on YouTube and also produce content that is engaging to viewers. And so it's a evolutionary process where I put out content, see how people respond to it and then redo it. And so one thing I'm trying to do next with YouTube is put more content on there. So one thing I'm thinking about doing is trying to do sharpening tests where I cut random materials, like it may be cutting a rubber band ball or launching objects at a sharpened knife to see how sharp the knife is. 
And I thought that may help stimulate the amount of views I get. Thanks for sharing that. Something that you shared with us, I'd like to just highlight for our listeners and that you started looking at the concept of how do you do marketing and that you effectively build a funnel. And so the first step in the funnel is you've got your target that knows nothing about you to begin with. So YouTube forms that sort of first phase or stage of the funnel. And then as a, with how-to videos about knife sharpening and things like that. And then the second phase is hopefully they'll come to your website. And then on the website, they may or may not be ready to buy yet. But then the third stage is really an email campaign that, you know, they can get into part of from the website as well. And you mentioned, of course, that YouTube is challenging, right? It's the second largest search engine in the world after Google that owns YouTube. But at the same time, there's zillions of cat videos and other sorts of things that seem to get lots of views where we put how-tos out there and they don't always do that. So it's an ongoing experience, I guess I would say. So I'd like to ask you, are there any parting words that you'd like to leave us with? thing I would say is just gather the right people around you. If you're an inventor, and I've been fortunate to have a wife that supports me on this a lot, and she helps keep me grounded. Whenever I get too serious or about this project, she says, remember, it's supposed to be fun. And so just be careful about who you surround yourself with because there's a lot of people that are opportunist or they're crazy. And so just carefully select the people that you're going to involve in your business. Yeah, that sounds like really great advice is surround yourself with people who are supportive and helpful and assemble a team. And people think, well, I'm just an inventor. We don't have teams. You do have a team. Your patent attorney can be part of your team. Somebody who helps you with prototyping can be part of your team. So it's a great idea to think that way. My final question for you then is, how can our listeners reach you if they have other questions? Yeah, so I, I have a website and that's probably the best way to get in, in touch with me. So starporks.com, so F-H-A-R-P-W-O-R-X.com or people could email me at mark at sharporks.com if they want to chat directly with me. That's fantastic. Again, you did mention it's sharporks s-h-a-r-p-w-o-r-x.com and then mark at shopworks.com and mark i'd like to thank you for being on the podcast with us today and sharing a little bit about your journey the challenges this product that you've created to solve a problem that is really needs solved and i'd like to reserve the opportunity maybe another six months or a year to get back with you and find out what's got what you've got going on at that time so once again thanks so much for being on the podcast with us today absolutely it was a pleasure to talk with you today so you're done searching for your product and it's not out there yay maybe you filed for a provisional patent and done some marketing research or surveys heck maybe you've even created a rough prototype then found that Although it kind of works, it looks like something from the Stone Age. You'd be embarrassed to show it to your friends, much less to a manufacturer for a licensing pitch. What if I could put you in touch with a guy who offers free consultations, takes no money down, no money up front, and will give you a quote on your project 
before he starts. What if I told you that this same guy can help you design your product and make you a virtual prototype before you ever put a penny into building a physical one? What if I told you he could make you patent drawings, CAD files for manufacturing, and even make marketing videos and build you a website? If this sounds like someone you want to talk to, let me introduce you to my first podcast sponsor, Brian Keast at I Draw Dreams for Inventors. With three and a half years of trade school and 15 years of mechanical experience working as a mechanic for General Motors, you have someone that's seen countless design failures and how they were fixed. Also, he had a 25-year career as a general contractor who designed his own houses and remodels on computer-aided design. In getting plans through countless building departments, he gained a tremendous amount of experience by working directly with structural engineers. The many years of combined experience in these two careers gave him a unique look into stresses and failures in design. He brings this wealth of knowledge and experience to his company, I Draw Dreams, as the CAD guy who will design a product for you that will work. Every inventor I've referred to Brian has come away delighted with the work he has done for them, and I think you will too. Just make sure to tell them that Alan sent you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Inventors Helping Inventors. If you like the show, please tell your friends about it. Make sure to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you won't miss a single episode. Talk to you soon.